I just thought with the questions this morning, I've, uh, I think I, I just did a quick tally. We're up to uh, 17 in a context of not seeing a, a question probably for some months now on the, on the SMS line. Uh, there are a range of ones uh, touching on our relationship uh, to government and, and those in authority, a few around work, and but the, by far the majority... Uh, around uh, the idea of Christian submission in marriage and most of them are tilted for what does this look like uh, in abusive situations uh, and things like that, partly because of the moment we live in where we're much more aware now perhaps than we ever have been of just how devastating the stats are around domestic violence and we're living through a cultural moment where a lot of these things are coming to a the four uh, in a good way and being talked about and we want to reflect on them uh, really well together as Christians. So given we won't get to all 17, I think uh, Jamie and I can probably take this offline with Katie and uh, Joe who's at Tonsley is a really well read and resourced person on this and I've already directed some of our growth group leaders there. So take this as a an opening entry into uh, a much larger discussion and because I've been able to sit and read all the questions for the last little while and Jamie's just sat down after a, a difficult sermon to give, I thought I'd try and give some concise reflections myself and then invite Jamie uh, to, to share as someone who's spent a lot more time in the text than I have, just as a, a kindness to him. So here's the, I've been scrolling everywhere, uh, I'm making notes to myself, here's the four questions that I think are the most helpful starting point uh, to a much wider discussion. Uh, firstly, 1 Peter uh, 2, 18 to 21, which is talking about those suffering unjustly, uh, and, and it's in the reference to slaves and masters at that point, um, is it, um, the question is, does that whole part refer to suffering because of our Christian faith? or suffering in general. Uh, I think in, in context, and please feel free to uh, uh, disagree with me at this point, really happy to do that as someone who spent more time in the text. The way I read it is that it's, talk, it's acknowledging that there is deep injustice uh, in our world, and it's talking about the slave-master relationship, which uh, in its time was uh, probably much more like bonded service rather than what we think of slaves and, and masters, just for some context. But it's saying there's all sorts of injustice in the world and all sorts of suffering built into the world because of injustice. In its context, it strikes me, it's saying, as you live amongst injustice in a world that has suffering, uh, it's just told us to live our lives in such a good way that we bring glory to God. So the first response here to talk about how to do that in the slave-master relationship really is a very powerful example for us to think through um, uh, actually the priority of living life for the glory of God. In God's kindness, uh, most uh, sort of a lot of historic slavery has been taken out of our world, but there are modern forms of that. Uh, but throughout the centuries, uh, Christians and others have done a really good job at, at sort of um, addressing the injustice there. This passage, however, is referring to those living in injustice, live your lives in such a good way that it brings glory to God. There's a, there's a priority of the gospel there, not to first upturn uh, the entire world and how it operated as it was first uh, brought into, but how do we live lives that commend the gospel 
and I think there's a clear priority given there than um, the gospel being spoken against if it immediately kind of upturned the word there. Any thoughts on that one? I've talked for a bit, yeah, so no, um, I, the um, question's there on screen <clears throat> if you need to refer to it. I agree. Um, I think because this passage, is the context is Christians living in such a way that uh, shows how good the gospel is in hard situations. Um, I think this is talking about, yeah, Christians in that situation of slavery, um, responding to injustice in a commendable way. Um, the Bible never encourages Christians to go looking for injustice to experience. It's how do you respond when it does happen? Um, I think the Bible certainly has provided an impetus for Christians to speak against injustice in honouring ways, um, but what do you do when you have no power to do that? I think that's what this passage is addressing. How do you respond to injustice when it comes? We don't experience it on the same level as slaves, but there's plenty of injustice in our world. How are we going to respond to it in a commendable way? Sure. Our second question was, uh, and I think this cuts to the heart of perhaps what many are thinking, uh, how does 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6, the sort of wives to husbands bit, apply to a wife who is being abused uh, by her husband? I think uh, hopefully you heard as I did, Jamie sort of working overtime to very carefully say that this passage is no uh, justification uh, for uh, abuse in all of its forms, which underlying... Uh, is actually uh, about control. Um, but I'd also say, too, we live at a, at a moment where um, there's certainly been a realisation within the church that passages like this have been misheard and misapplied with far too much um, frequency to kind of justify someone remaining trapped. So I had a chat to someone uh, this week who was talking about a friend who's living in an abusive situation who, who takes passages like this as justification for staying um, in an abusive situation like that. So of the myriad of things I would like to say at this point, firstly I would say one of the mistakes the church has made over the years is trying to um, deal with a situation that is highly specialised and needs, you know, abusive situations are immensely, it's immensely complex. So we'd always be extremely supportive of using people who are trained professionals in dealing with abusive situations. That's not us just sort of handballing um, the issue elsewhere. I think churches are somewhat uniquely placed to be communities of strength where we can be strong for others and be supportive and applying the grace of the gospel that God's shown to us to situations. But um, knowing the statistics and knowing the first nine and a half years here, uh, I'm, I'm working on the assumption this is a very real situation for people in uh, our community now. So please know if you come to us, we will be uh, discreet, supportive, and we'll be working with you to first uh, ensure your safety. And as I think Jamie said wonderfully well, I'll butcher it if I try and repeat it, um, but uh, we see no honouring God in allowing some a person's sin to thrive in these situations. We'll want to work out what's our best way uh, to kind of support with the pastoral kind of spiritual insight 
with professional help and care and uh, support for people uh, in that. So um, lots you could say. I thought that's probably the most important thing to say. Also, the, all the research also says if there's too many steps to finding help, uh, people often don't take it, which is why you see on TV screens and why I came in early this morning <laughs> and reprinted the leaflets to put the 1-800-RESPECT uh, number and the Men's Line Australia number on there because I realised that people will be in these situations thinking, oh, I know they've said um, speak to Matt or Katie or Jamie, but I I'm not going to do that. That's a bit confrontational. Uh, those lines, are, I think it's very important to take a first step uh, and they're two great places to start as a good step, uh, as also um, uh, reaching out to a brother and sister in Christ uh, that you, uh, that you um, trust uh, and respect who will walk with you and, and try and provide the, uh, the context for working through an incredibly complex and um, really difficult situation. Anything else you wanted to add on that, mate? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think... I completely agree. Something coming from a different angle is I think an area where Christians have not helped one another in this space is um, because we uphold the value of forgiveness and bearing with one another, very Christ-like um, characteristics, we have unhelpfully skated over just how deep the issue of domestic abuse is. So forgiveness is a relational, costly reality and when we say, oh, well, just forgive, like you have to stay because you have to forgive, that is skating over a world of work that needs to happen for genuine forgiveness to take place, which includes genuine repentance. So I think sometimes in, in a kind of good desire to uphold forgiveness and repentance, um, Christians have been, very, have been unhelpful to each other by kind of cheapening both forgiveness and repentance by saying, oh, you can work that out kind of by staying as you are. Um, as we've learned more about just the deep pathologies that are involved in the sin of domestic abuse, both for the perpetrator and the victim, I think we've learned that we need to give much more space for real work to be done so that real forgiveness and repentance can take place and that will not involve just letting things continue as they are. And that's why we want to say really clearly, please speak to us all those numbers, it's not kind of the right Christian thing to do just to let things keep going. Um, there's a whole lot of also related questions on how does this passage refer uh, to um, husbands who are unfaithful in their marriage, which is uh, another massive um, uh, issue which we won't have time uh, to cover in general. But again, um, uh, much of what was just previously said on the previous question, these are really important things. And actually, it's the marriage relationship in the Bible uh, and uh, that is given to us as the primary kind of mechanism for allowing us to understand uh, the, the complexity of emotion involved with uh, God's people's unfaithfulness with him over the years. So there is something very powerful when we talk about unfaithfulness that affects us deeply and um, it's really important to think through that uh, well together. And again, I would say that needs you need supportive uh, friends and, and family around you to work through those issues. And again, the church can be a great place for a lot of people who... There's lots of people who are just not... 
uh, well supported uh, in life and haven't been able to um, sort of, resilience is a big uh, sort of word uh, these days and uh, I think it's really important that as a church we use our strength uh, together to support those going uh, through those kind of things. Um, But there's been a tension in churches and theology over the years uh, to, to is, is the kind of the very pro-marriage uh, and working through things kind of stance in the Bible, which is the default. Does that, does that kind of kick on uh, kind of forever or does there come a point in whether, whether it's unfaithfulness that continues or abuse that continues, is it okay um, uh, to actually leave a relationship? My short answer is I would say yes. Uh, I realise... Not everyone in the room will agree with me, and I'm opening yet another can of uh, worms there. But um, these issues are deeply important. And uh, again, that's just another example of am I being called to allow someone else's sin to continue to thrive? Uh, I would say no. But please do that with brothers and sisters in in Christ with that. Perhaps the last question we'll answer, I realise time is getting away from us, and that's why we're trying for not the whole 17. Um, how does um, verses uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6 apply to a, a wife whose husband is inconsiderate and disrespectful her, to her, not living in verse uh, 7 there? And a few people kind of noted there's all these verses for wives. Guys seem to get off a little easy on, you know, just getting one verse there. Of course, this is not God's um, final, you know, uh, entirety of his word on the topic. A place like uh, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, presents a, an extremely sort of high bar for husbands to love their wives as uh, Christ loved the church, something that uh, all guys everywhere have fallen short of, of course. Um, but, um, yeah, I, again, I think um, it... I think one of the great things about the Christian life is we live in community with those around us who are called to love one another and wrestle with God's word together and support one another in doing this. Again, I would like to put um, the challenge out to guys to be the kind of guys who challenge other guys on how they are loving their wives. And I think um, particularly given the cultural moment that we're living in, I think it requires us to really step up into that space to really honour and respect and love our wives for those of us who are married just acknowledging that all of these issues are extremely live a couple of the groups that looked in this at advance the leaders came back and said man this is a huge issue way bigger uh, than you would have thought so instead of trying to give the perfect answer now I want to say we really want to actually think through carefully about how we wrestle with this together anything final to add there mate? something I found really interesting in studying this passage for the sermon is that all of the people addressed in the passage are the ones who are copying a bad time as faithful believers and so I think that's why there's more attention paid to wives um, you know slaves wives citizens people having a hard time being believers in that space and I think you see a lot of warm encouragement to those people rather than didactic you musts so um, I think that's really interesting to note and yet Peter felt it necessary to add a word to the husbands to ensure that it is not a one-way street. Uh, He doesn't do that for any of the other relationships in the passage, 
you know, government, citizen, slave, master, but wives and husbands, Peter thinks, I need to say something to the men, perhaps because men are so prone to getting this wrong, Christian men included. And it's just interesting that those six verses, there are instructions followed by a warm encouragement that you're following in the footsteps of the holy women of old. Men, it is a, it is a brief blunt challenge that I think we would do very well to hear because it makes life hard for your wife when you do not follow verse 7. It's hard when it's not a two-way street.